Listen to every MLB game live. The deep left center field, it is high, it is far, it is gone. Stream minor league affiliates. The Midwest League home run leader. And watch the best baseball highlights and look-ins on MLB Big Inning. MLB at bat is your all-in-one live baseball subscription for only $3.99 per month. Deep left field, it's going to go. Alvarez ties the game. Subscribe to at bat within the MLB app today. Major League Baseball trademarks used with permission. What up, y'all? This is Ed Lover. This is Come On, Son, the podcast overseen by the one and only Combat Jack. Killer said, yo, I got special guests coming in the building with me. One of the ladies has, has spent her whole career in hip-hop, in R&B, the music business, in front of the camera, behind the camera, and now on Love & Hip Hop Atlanta, Dr. Mita Montana, a personal friend of mine, and a really smart and beautiful, gifted woman, um, so we're going to talk to her coming up. What the hell is going on with Kanye? We got to talk a little bit about that coming up. What the hell is going on with the R. Kelly federal trial in uh, Chicago? We got a lot of little stuff just to hit on. It's Come On, Son, the podcast. Let's go. Come on, Son, 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 Welcome back, y'all. This is Ed Lover. This is Come On, Son, the podcast. I don't know if y'all seen it or not, but the Yeezy collection is in Gap. And people were up in arms about the display. He puts everything into looks like these big, gigantic trash bags. And you have to sift through all these other clothes to find your size. Now, you know when you're usually shopping somewhere, they got the sizes lined up. Everything is nicely folded. And it's lined up. And you just look, oh, that's a small. That's a medium. That's an XL. You know, that's a large. That's an XL. That's a 2XL. Whatever size they go up to. But not this one. This is in what looks like shopping bags. And when he was confronted about it, why this stuff looks like that? He said, oh, y'all just don't understand what I'm doing. I'm an innovator. Come on, son. Innovation my ass, son. You know who's an innovator? My garbage man's an innovator. Anytime he dumps my trash and my can is sitting upright in front of my house. That's innovation. Because usually they dump the trash, throw your can all over the place. It'd be broken, cracked, and everything else. Anytime I see my thing sitting upright, so if you want to talk about trash and trash cans, come on, son. That's innovation right there. If you ask me, that's serious innovation, man. So much stuff be going on sometimes, man. I don't even, I don't even know what to talk about sometimes. R. Kelly's a, a fiance or a so-called fiance. Joycelyn Savage talk about she's pregnant several months. How can that be when homeboy been locked up for a while now? Come on, said you ain't pregnant. Even his own attorneys are denying that she's pregnant. R. Kelly is denying that she's pregnant. What is this? The immaculate conception? Huh? What are you, Mary? Huh? You Jesus' mother now? How you get pregnant unless they let you in and y'all was having sex? Come on, son. Homeboy's been locked up for a while now. And he's on trial in the jury selection in Chicago, son. Come on, son. How many trials is R. Kelly going to go through? He already got 30 years in Chicago. That ain't enough for y'all. What are you going to do? Lock him up after he died? Like, come on, son. Enough is enough, ain't it? And here's the kicker. His attorney don't want anybody who saw surviving R. Kelly on on the jury. So they're going through jury selection right now. Good luck with that. Every black person in America has seen that thing at least twice. So what you're going to get, all white jurors? He's definitely going to jail after that. Come on, son. 
Y'all bugging out right now with this. R. Kelly can't catch a break, man. And he's a musical genius. There's, there's no denying that. But Jesus Christ. Talking about throwing somebody under the bus. R. Kelly, you 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 getting it, bro. And I'll be wondering what happened to all his stuff, though. Did y'all hear that he had like $28,000 on his books? Kill it, son. They took his money because he owed $144,000. How you have $28,000 on your books? Don't you know R. Kelly needs every dime? Of that $28,000 to keep them wolves off his ass? Why he locked up? Good, son. Yo, son. My man retired from corrections in New York City, right? He said when Black Rob was locked up, he wasn't in protective custody. They had him rapping in there to save his own life, son. Yo, man, throw that, do that woe shit, son, before we fuck you up, son. Come on, son. I don't, I don't want that to happen to me. I don't, I don't, I'm, I'm trying to get locked up, son. Did y'all hear about what happened to uh, Cleveland Browns quarterback Deshaun Watson? He came to a conclusion in a deal with the NFL on uh, how many games he should be suspended. First of all, he should be suspended for more than a season. That's just my personal opinion, son. How you getting massages outside of the Houston Texans facility, hiring chicks off of Craigslist, then putting a little towel around your waist, then... When they massage your legs and stuff, you let the towel fall off and, and your dick is hard as a motherfucker. Come on, son. That's nasty, son. You making sure that your dick touched somebody's hand. Come on, son. I wish to, I wish to God I'd be massaging some dude, which I'm not doing in the first place. Even if I was a masseuse, I wouldn't do nothing but women. But can you imagine the trauma them women went through when my man wouldn't take the towel or nothing or the sheet? He just laying there with his own towel. Your own towel, son? Come on, son. Some little ass towel, like a face towel. You know what I mean? You know you got the washcloth, then the face towel, and then the big towel. He had that middle-sized towel over his junk, and he ass-naked, y'all. Come on, son. I've never gotten ass-naked for a massage in my life, son. You foul for that shit, son. You a nasty motherfucker, Deshaun Watson. 24 women, you damn near settled with all of them. You settled with 23 women out of court. You got to pay a $5 million fine and set out 13 games, son. <laughs> Come on, son. You a motherfucking trip, man. ASAP Rocky's in trouble in L.A. He shot at another, I think it's ASAP Rally. He shot at him allegedly. Come on, son. I got to say allegedly I don't fucking want to get sued. That shit is hell. So they're going to prosecute him for that. He just had a baby with Rihanna, who's a billionaire. Rihanna's like, I ain't paying none of this fucking bail, son. <laughs> Fuck out of here. Just because you my baby father don't mean I'm giving you no money for no bail, son. ASAP Rocky. Why y'all Rocky, Rocky niggas, man? Why y'all ASAP niggas, excuse me? Why y'all shooting at each other, son? What the fuck is wrong with you, ASAP Rocky? You stay in trouble, man. We still ain't got Brittany Griner home, y'all. Still ain't home, man. Still not home. Appealing her 10-year conviction with her attorneys in Russia. Good luck with that. They still negotiating. Some people like they want this arms dealer guy that they got over here locked up, a Russian, in exchange for Brittany Griner, and I think his name is Whalen. And before Brittany Griner, nobody was trying to get the Whalen dude out. I'm telling y'all right, I ain't hear shit about that. Now that Brittany Griner's locked up, they wanna they want a package. Gotta get him out. He's a white man. Gotta make the shit look good. Thank God. They're gonna prosecute the cops federally who shot Breonna Taylor. Good falsified the whole warrant 
in the whole in the first fucking place. There was no need to go in there. None at all. They had no thought or anything. This motherfucker falsified all that shit. Now he's gonna face federal trial. Federal charges. He's going to jail. He's going to jail. And they're going to get his butt. Oh, did y'all hear about my man that killed Omar Arbery? Come on, son. He don't want to go. To, he don't want to go to the federal facility. Oh no, he don't want to go to state because he fears for his life. Come on, son. I bet Omar Arbery feared for his life when you pull a shotgun on him for jogging. Come on, son. Y'all got to be out of your damn mind, man. This whole world's going to crap, man. Seriously, man. Gas prices high as hell. Come on, son. I need to buy me a scooter. Come on, son. Shit is crazy, man. Strippers ain't really giving you the stripping that you're supposed to get nowadays and want maximum money. Come on, son. How you just going to stand in front of me and ask me for a tip? You ain't did shit. Do something first. Clap your ass or something. Come on, son. Fuck out of here with that bullshit. Whole lot of bullshit going on, yo. P. Diddy done changed his name again. There's Brother Love or... Brother Funk or whatever the hell he changed his name to, son. Come on, son. Irv Gotti still crying about Ashanti. How's Ashanti cheated on you with Nelly? Y'all seen him on Drink Champs? How Ashanti cheated on you with Nelly and you was married? the fuck out of here, son. And you look like you still hurt, son. Did y'all see the shit up on my page when somebody put uh, Irv Gotti's face on Orange Juice Jones' body and Ashanti's head and face? On, on the girl's body, Danita, from, from the walking in the rain. And he's like, yo, I, I miss you so much. I fathered you today. You see that shit? Oh, that shit is hilarious, son. It's crazy, man. Everything is, is crazy, but it's beautiful at the same time, man. So let's all just enjoy life. And anytime you see something that make you crazy, just go, kill it, son. And think about your boy, Ed Lover. Coming up, my interview with Dr. Mita Montana. You're going to hear all about her career from Loud Records to Bad Boy Records to SRC Records, to Interscope Records, how she started her own Wonder Woman company, how she directed episodes of Uncensored for TV One, the movies she's working on, and of course, Love and Hip Hop and her relationship or lack thereof with Young Jock. All that's coming up on Kibble Outside, the podcast. Come on, son. Yo, it's Come On, Son, the podcast. Me, your boy, Ed Love, and I got a very special guest in here with me this for this podcast, Dr. Mita Montana, aka Wonder Woman, aka my homegirl Mita. How you doing? I'm great. I'm I'm well. I'm, I'm glad to finally get this thing together so we can do this. Exactly. We've been trying to get this together for a minute now. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. You've been you've been in and around this entertainment world for a long time. How did you get your start? How did I start in the music business? Well, I was always a dancer. I was a huge dancer. I don't know if you remember the All-Stars in New York City. There was a, it was like a competition where rappers and dancers, yeah. all types of people will go every week to compete. And I had a dance group called Cousins and we would go there all the time. And there were always some rappers that was coming up. And I think the first group that we got with there was Smooth the Hustler and Trigger the Gambler. Okay. They were dancers um, also, and we started dancing together. And then right after that, Smooth started rapping and he came out with a single and then Trigger got signed to Def Jam and I was choreographing for them. And then people started seeing me choreographing for them. And then I started choreographing for like uh, Jason Weaver, Little Vicious, 
Um, then I, you know, started dancing for Shabba Ranks, and then it, like I just started meeting people all whoa, around. Whoa, 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 whoa! Time out. First of all, let's rewind. <laughs> you telling me that Smooth the Hustler and Trigger the Gambler were dancers? They were dancers. They they had a group called Guest Writers, and they were a group of dancers. All of that hardcore hip hop shit they was talking, they was dancing. They were dancers. Yes, they were. They was ill too. Like we got. Cousins got a lot of what we did from them. Oh wow! If you watch, okay. if you go back, if you go back and watch the video "Bust," it is the Nutty Professor soundtrack. It's Trigger the Gambler, Christ, DV Alias, Christ, and Smooth the Hustler. Um, you'll see me dancing with them, and they're like flipping me and throwing me around. I'm dancing with the guys. Right. Wow. I didn't know them dudes were dancers. And then you kind of skipped over real quick. I started dancing for Shaba. Now Shaba is a legend of dance hall and reggae music. Yeah. Um, and one of your best friends is Spice, but we'll get to that later on because I just saw her, you your, you guys, last night. Mm -hmm. How did you start dancing for Shaba? Um, okay, so I started choreographing and I kind of was like a road manager for Little Vicious mm -hmm. um, and Shaheen, and they were on the tour with... Um, Immature. If you want to party, throw up on your hands. Yes, exactly. So um, while I was at a show, um, I ran into Shaba Ranks and his people. I ran into his people and they were looking for dancers and they tried me out. And lo and behold, I started going all around the world with him. I danced on Soul Train with him on, on everything. <laughs> well, I got to look up that Soul Train episode. Were you, in, were you in any of Shaba's videos? Yes, um, he has a video called Shine Eye Gal. I'm definitely, I'm in that video. Okay. Okay, so you say you guys are going all, all over everywhere mm -hmm. with Shaba. For people that don't know, like the background on Shaba, what year do you think it was when you got with Shaba? I would say that was 95, maybe. Okay. Okay, how big in, in, the, in the world of music was Shaba at that Shaba time? Shaba was probably the biggest... Um, he was the biggest reggae artist out at that time. And he was the probably one of the only crossover crossover reggae artists at that time. So we were doing shows with like Bobby Brown with like, you know what I'm saying? And we were on shows like that. So he was huge. Right. That's right around the uh, Maxi Priest and Shaba time. Right. Like, yeah, like right a little bit of like, like right after that. Yes. Okay. Was trailer load, yeah. trailer load and all that was trailer already load, All of that was out already. Okay, so Chopper was still pretty much the king of dance hall. We're talking before Bounty, before Beanie, yep. before it was really Shaba's nemesis at that time, pretty much was Ninja Man. You could say, yep. Yeah, and, and there was a few others that was coming up, but for, for all the people that don't know what we're talking about as far as dance hall, this is way before Sean Paul. This, <laughs> this is way, well, I mean, Super Cat was around at that time. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, Super he, Cat he Ninja. Out. There's yeah. a lot of people that were still around, but out of all of those, out of all of that class, what I call it, of dance hall reggae music, Shaba was absolutely the undisputed king. Yep, he definitely and so, was. And so you go from dancing with Shaba to what? Um, so I dancing after dancing for Shaba, I started dancing for Yvette Michelle. Oh, okay. So I, I was on tour with Yvette Michelle. I mean, I had a lot of little things in, in between. I'm not sure if you're familiar. I had a crew called the Pussycats. Okay. So let me back up. 
I started dancing for Black Panther. Black Panther was Ralph McDaniel's artist at Video Music Box. Okay. Okay, so he was the first reggae artist that I danced for, Black Panther. Um, Ralph was trying to get him out. And because Ralph had Video Music Box, someone from Video Music Box, I was on a payphone and they came up to me and they was like, could you come into the office on Center Street? And I came in and they were like, oh, you could dance. We wanted you to model, but you could dance. Okay, can you choreograph? Ralph has this new artist and that's how we got to that. Uh, We shot videos, we choreographed. Now, because Ralph was so prominent back then, we were on all the shows with Biggie, Nas. We were touring with all the major people because of who Ralph was. Nobody knew who Black Panther was, but Ralph always got him on a show. Right. And, and the pussy, so it was Black Panther and the Pussycats, and the Pussycats became more famous than Black Panther. Okay. So people will call from all kinds of clubs, the Palladium, the Tunnel, anywhere. They had a big club. And, you know, back in the day, the Flyers used to say, you know, Nas will be here, Biggie will be here, Jay-Z will be here. And it would say, and the Pussycats. Right. So we were, the Pussycats just had this name where we would just, well, a crew that would just go around New York City and people would pay us to come through or ask us to come through. And then after that, I started dancing for Shaba. And then, you know, we had... Pussycats decided to put out our first hip-hop calendar. Um, We have a hip-hop calendar. And it was one of the only ones that came out. I actually have it. Oh, wow. Big Pun. And we have um, Lost Boys. And we have Horace Brown. And we have Tribe Called Quest. Smooth the Hustler. We have um, Buckshot Shorty. Helter Skelter. Um... Big, you know, just just everybody, big pun, fat Joe, everybody. Right. Like, so we was just doing our things in the street. We had like an all-girl street team. We promoted for Nas. We promoted for um, track masters. We promoted for a lot of stuff at Motown, um, Uptown. And so that was going. And then I went on tour with Shaba. And then I went on tour with Yvette Michelle. And while I was touring for Yvette Michelle, she was signed to Loud Records and I asked um, Charlene Thomas and Dan was my, Dan was my handler, Dan Smalls and Charlene Thomas. I asked if I could intern on my days off at the record label when I didn't have to go on tour. Okay. So that's how you've got your foot into the door. Yes. As an intern. Yes. As an intern at Loud Records. A lot of people don't want to intern no more. They just want to they just want to bounce to executive level and don't, yeah, don't even know the business. And mind you, it was, it was humbling for me because I, I already was known by everybody. I already was out there. I already had my own company. I already promoted for people, but I realized that I had to take a step back in order to move forward. Right. So I had a, a car already I was paying for and you know, interns make $40. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? So I had to drive to work and park and just all my expenses was my own. So I got lucky because right when I came to intern at Loud under Charlene, Wu-Tang's first album was popping and Charlene had to go on tour with them. So I got stuck doing a lot of the work that Charlene would have done. So I I immediately got pushed into like an executive position, even though I was an intern. Right. So I got to handle like, you know, some of the, I think I did, um, I think we did Hoodlum. we did we did the a soundtrack whole- to the movie hold on. Yep. Um Soul in the Hole. Oh wow. 
did I did Soul in the Hole project. I choreographed. I'm actually in the video, the um Soul in the Hole video dancing. Okay. Um then Wu, we did, you know, Wu Tang's album, second album was about to come out. I got to work on that promotions. Mob Deep came out, Big Pun came out. And then in the in the in the interim, I would dance for Yvette Michelle on tour. Now, while I was at Loud, I also Sheen Myrick's assistant. Nasheen Myrick? He was a hitman for Bad Boy. Yes, absolutely. Everybody should be familiar with Nasheen Myrick. If you're not, go do your homework. So I would work at Loud for in, in the daytime and at nighttime, I would go to the studio and be there all night till 4 a.m. just getting everything Nasheen had to do together. Wow. Yes. You was really, you was really paying your dues, huh? Yes, I really was. <laughs> how long did you, um, how long did you stay at Loud? I was at Loud for about a year, year, year and a half at Loud. Mm -hmm. And then Harv Pierre came to me because he saw me walking, working for, I had already knew Harv, but he came to me um, because he saw me with Nashim all the time. And he said, I'm getting ready to leave RCA and go back to Bad Boy. And I want to know if when I go back to Bad Boy, will you come as my A&R assistant? He said, I'm going to be VP of A&R. And I want to know if you will be my A&R assistant. Right. And I left loud and became, got a great paying job as A&R assistant at Bad so Boy. So you was at loud making no money, spending no your own money. And then I got my salary. At night, <laughs> and, you, and you didn't even get a salary at loud. You didn't even stay at loud. Nothing. Nope. You ended up uh, going over to Bad Boy. So I went over to Bad Boy and I was Harpier's <coughs> assistant. And um, at this time, Biggie had just passed. Okay. So we were working his album. We were doing all the remixes. I know one of the first records we worked on was Been Around the World Remix. So that was 90, that was 97 then. 97, yep. Right. Um, and then we were working on Puffy's album. Um, no Way Out? Yes. Um, Mesa's album was getting ready to drop, I believe, or had Hall just Harlem World? Yeah, Harlem World, I, Harlem World had dropped, I believe. And okay. we were, you know, the locks was they was finishing the locks to come out and all of that stuff. So total, I got to work on total. I got to work on everybody when I first got there. So what happened was I would be in the studio every single day from 10 a.m. to 4 a.m. every day. And bad boy had a ninth the 19th street office mm -hmm. and then he started to get like a couple offices at bmg on 45th mm -hmm. street and daddy's house was down the block right so i never Daddy's house was right next to club babaloos exactly where i used to do the saturday <laughs> well, night live broadcast every saturday and blue blue angel or blue blue something you know where all the artists would go and sing i think it was yeah like, it was right next door to that as well so I started uh, doing this thing where I would have this book and I would get every single artist and I would jot down every mix they made, whether they needed to, they had samples, where they needed to remix it, whether it had to be mastered, I uh, was a side artist needed to be on it. Like, so it was a, a binder and each slot had, you know, Mace, Puffy, Big, Total, and then it would just say everything that, and apparently nobody had done this before at Bad Boy. <laughs> so I would leave this on Puffy's desk when I would leave at night. And one day he came in and he was like, who did this? Who put this on my desk? Who put this on my desk? And I was like, me? And he took me from Harv. <laughs> <laughs> 
from there on, he made me an A&R and Harv was mad. <laughs> and Puffy took me in ever since, like from that day on, I was with Puffy every day, everywhere. I, everywhere he traveled, if he went to Europe, if he went to Atlanta, if he went to the Bahamas, I was his A&R and I was his right-hand person. Jay-Z, Nas, Timberland, Missy, anybody that needed to get to Puff would go through me, musically. Right. Come on, son. Whether it's your kicks, your clothes, or anything else, going with the best gives you that swagger and confidence to be yourself, to be bold, and to live large. Living large is all about being authentic, cool under pressure, and prepared for whatever comes your way. You always got to be the man with a plan, and when life throws those special moments at you, you can't accept anything less than the gold standard. Magnum Law condoms help you play it cool and stay protected. Magnum, live large. Look for Magnum condoms wherever condoms are sold. Go Peak Real Brew Tea is here to unleash your sense of try, to ignite new passions and rekindle old ones. So try a Gold Peak, and then try something else, because this taste is worth the try. Try Gold Peak. McDonald's is kicking off Future 22, a campaign celebrating 22 leaders of the next generation across the country who are making an impact in their communities right now. The civil rights movement was full of young Gen Z leaders, and the influx of young leaders we're seeing today are all on the road to being just as historical as those in the civil rights movement. They're starting their own organizations, finding ways to empower even more youth and culture. They're taking a stand and speaking out. Now McDonald's is celebrating their efforts and the impact they're leaving on the world. Ever heard of Anya Dillard? She's an 18-year-old activist that started the Next Gen Come Up, a nonprofit that encourages activism and community service. Anya's story is just one of many purpose-filled missions that McDonald's is showcasing. So check it out right now and see plenty of more stories like hers on Instagram at WeAreGolden. All right, listen. The current chicken sandwich craze is wild to me, son. Because there's only one crispy chicken sandwich that comes with the whole experience that leaves your mouth on cloud nine. And that, my friends, can only be found at McDonald's. Like when you open up the Silver Line crispy chicken sandwich bag for the first time, it's like your own special present. Plus the steam that softly comes out, that's the best surprise. Oh, and let's not forget about how your fingers glisten from the buttery buns bite after bite. The perfect balance of pickle to crispy chicken and last but certainly not least, the crumbs at the bottom of the bag. Marking your last chance to savor those final bites and say goodbye to the sandwich you won't believe is already gone. Make your own crispy, juicy, tender moments and order a crispy chicken sandwich at your favorite neighborhood McDonald's or pre-order on the app today. Come on, son. That's so, the only way that they got, that Puff got to hear the tracks. They had to get, get the tracks to you first. And to me, I was the person that wrote up the credits, that made sure the samples was cleared, wrote the thank yous, did all of that stuff, handed all of did that. You be, because Puff was so busy trying to run Bad Boy and Bad Boy had become an, an enterprise at that point, did you listen to the tracks first? Um, Yes, I will always listen to everything first because this man is meticulous and everything has to be perfect with him, right? So you want to listen, you want to re-listen because if he asks you a question, you want to know the answer. Right. You know, um, he... I never had Sundays off. I never had Saturdays off. I worked seven days a week from 10 to four in the morning. He would always tell me, you need to be here before I'm here. If you ever want to be successful in life, you need to get here before I get here. And you need to leave after I leave. Wow. 
Sundays will come. I'll be like, can I go to church? Can I work out? He'd be like, mm, okay, well, as soon as you're done, just make sure you get here. Um, holidays, I spent it with him and his mom. I didn't see my family. Wow. And I, I, I didn't hardly see my family at all. I was always with him. If he was in the studio, I had to be in the studio. If he was in the office, I had to be in the office. Like it was, if it was, it was intense, but I wouldn't give it up for the world. Like he didn't, he didn't allow me to have, um, I didn't have no, I couldn't have a boyfriend. I couldn't have nobody coming up there because he felt like if I had a man, it would distract me. I would start making excuses, taking days off, just doing all types of stuff. So what was that? What was the atmosphere like when you first got the bad boy? Because Big was their marquee artist and he had been murdered. Um, I think when I got to bad boy, everybody was trying to pick up the pieces and push bad boy along. It was like, what can we do to keep this, to keep this going? We're, we're in a slump right now, but we got to keep Biggie going. Like, so that's when I said, when I came in, they were doing every kind of Biggie remix, trying to put things together, like the just Biggie duets and all of that stuff, all of that stuff, just trying to keep it moving. Um, you know, Puffy was getting ready for the, you know, trying to put a tour together. Like, let's get everybody's momentum back up and get back in people's faces. Right. So that's kind of where I came into to Bad Boy. Because Bad Boy could have folded after that. Nobody would have blamed them. It could have folded right there. But they, they put, when I say it was like, we went to the Bahamas for about a month and a half. And we knocked out everybody's album pretty much in the Bahamas. Right. In every writer, every producer, we flew in CeeLo because he was ill at that time, and we flew in Bone Thugs and Harmony, and we flew, we flew in everybody that we thought was hot Sauce Money, um, Mark Curry. We just flew in a bunch of well, people. Sauce that Money was hot because I, I had <laughs> just learned, uh, not too long ago that Sauce Money is the one that uh pinned the uh Puffy's verse for, um, I'll be missing you. Yes. So I didn't know that Sauce Money wrote that. Uh, he was one of Puff's favorite, favorite writers. So we Favorite Ghost Rider. Yes, Ghost Rider, yes. Yeah, Maybe. Sauce Money is ill, man. Pick up the Sauce Money. And in that Bahamas session, is that where D-Dot put together the Benjamins? Um, no, the Benjamins was put together before. Well, they may have, that may have been the first session, the first Bahamas, yes. Okay. Where I was at, Benjamins was already put together. Okay. Um, when I got there, yeah. Okay, and how long did how long did you stay at Bad Boy, and why did you leave? Since you got such a wealth of information and learning from Puff. So I was at Bad Boy for maybe three, four years. Um, Puffy had had a a case that he got into with Shine. Yeah, the the the, the infamous New York club yeah. shooting incident. Yes. And at that time, he kind of like mentally, it felt like he took a break from music. And he was like doing other things. He was running a marathon. He was doing Raisin in the Sun. He was doing like all these different things, like trying to, I guess, come away from the music for a second. And I was just in the office, like, mm, you know, twiddling my thumbs, like, what are we doing next? And Steve Stout called me and he was like, I want you to come to Interscope. I'm going to Interscope as the head of Interscope New York. And I would love for you to come to Interscope. Um, and I'll double your salary. I'll give you an office, an assistant, a bonus. He just threw everything at me. Right. And it was weird because I knew Steve Stout 
way before all of this started, when I had my Pussycat Street team, Steve Stout was the one who would give me the Nas account and the Trackmasters account and all of this stuff. He, you know, DJ Clue's truck, we would drive around. So Steve facilitated a lot of stuff back then. So he came to me and he gave me a a sweet deal that I actually thought was going to be great. I didn't end up caring for it too much when I went, but I left Bad Boy at that point and I went to Interscope. So why why you didn't like Interscope? So... For one, I thought I was going to Interscope as an A&R because that's what I was doing at Bad Boy. But uh-huh. Steve Stout put me in marketing and he pretty much told me, you know, you did promotions before, you did A&R at Bad Boy, you need to learn marketing. If you ever want to run a company, you need to know all the aspects of the music business. So I went with that and I'm like, fine. Right. So I was a product manager. I had um, Black Eyed Peas. I had City High. Um, I had... Uh, Dutch and Spade. Um, I had a bunch of people. Um, the Locks just came over. When I went to Interscope, the Locks left Bad Boy and came over to Interscope also. So we came at the same time. Right. Um, was, was that Rough Riders, Rough Riders Interscope? Yes. Okay. Yep. Um, Eve was there. Um, Eminem. So I got to work on and help out with a lot of those projects. Um, but what I didn't like about Interscope was it was corporate. It was very, very corporate. Like at Bad Boy, I could just go to Puff and ask him a question and I got the answer. Um, you know, we even though we worked all day at Bad Boy, it was like a family working together. And it just seemed that Interscope that every person was for themselves. And no, it wasn't a family vibe. It was like, okay, you come to work at 10, everybody's out the door by six. Okay. And nobody's hanging around to make sure that all this stuff gets done. Nobody's no. bouncing to the studio to see what somebody else is working on and everybody. Nope. 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 None of that is happening. Nobody's um, nobody cares. It's like, I'm just doing my job to me. It was just like, I'm just doing my job and right. I just do my job tomorrow. And if you needed an answer for something, you had to wait three days for it to go up the ladder to come back down to you. Like, you know, the environment was just like, ugh, for me. And so, in the meantime, you have all of these relationships that you have already established from loud to bad boy. You're already dealing with, you know, getting tracks from Timberland, getting tracks from Swiss, getting tracks, overseeing whatever, you know, source money is writing and whatever all these people are writing. But now here you are as a product manager, but those relationships haven't gone away. So I'm quite sure that when you got over the Interscope, all of these same people, like me to me to here, I got something for your artist. And it take that long for, for anything to get, it had to just come out of your hands and be gone. So this is the funny thing. I honestly think that because Steve placed me in a marketing, de- in a marketing department, I feel like everyone else in that department wanted to bring their own people in. And I was placed there by Steve. And I don't think that they meshed well with the fact that I was placed there. Okay. So I think they would give me all the artists that they thought, I think they gave me all the artists they thought wasn't going nowhere. Uh-huh. And then I would get those artists popping and they'd be like, what? These artists are moving. Like they hear they're there. I had City High, I had Claudette popping. Like, you know, I'm, I'm like, at this point also I had at Interscope, I had, I had time on my hands. So that's when I met my child's father. At one point, I was pregnant, seven months pregnant in Philly, in the, in the trenches with Dutch and Spade. Like, right. I'm, I'm doing what I got to do. I don't care about everybody else. But every time I got an artist popping, they took the artist from me. 
and gave it to somebody else. Oh, wow. Yeah. So that could be a, a real downer right there. Like, yeah. you know what? I don't want to do this. Yeah. So after a while, when I, when I did give birth to my daughter and I took my sabbatical, when I came back to work, I was just like, I'm not feeling this. Um, I'm going to go ahead and leave this situation. And by this time now, you know, my child's father was an athlete and I had connected him in the music world um, because of all my connections, because, you know, a lot of athletes want to do stuff that the musicians are doing. So now I got my, my child's father, he's popping because I'm like, oh, do this. You want, you want a favor for me in the music industry? Well, I need you to do this for him. Well, can you put him in this magazine? I need this rapper to do him. Can you put him in a video? Can you say his name in a song? So I, he's hot now, he's popping. So now I have other athletes coming to me asking me to do the same thing for them. Right. So at this point, I'm like, forget, I'm gonna leave Interscope and I'm just gonna like, you know, do my own little thing and start like working on these athletes. And then right. I left, started doing that. So I was just like kind of working for myself um, for a little while. And then I ran into Steve Rifkin. Again, from Lyle. Again. The man and who had you as an intern paying you $40 a week. Yes. But I will say this. Although I was an intern for Loud, Steve never treated me like an intern. I was at How Can I Be Down? I was in Jamaica. Every trip, he let me go. He let me do anything I want. Like, he treated me like I was an executive when I was at Loud, even though I was an intern. Right. So when I ran into him. He was like loud folded and I started a new company called SRC. Right, I remember SRC. SRC is signed to Motown Universal and I would love if you would come to SRC and whatever it is you want to do at SRC. Um, you know, you want to do product manager, you want to A&R, like you can come to SRC. Right. So I started at SRC the next day after seeing Steve. Um, and at SRC, I signed Melanie Fiona. Okay. Um, I worked on Asher Roth. I worked on, I did David Banner's album over there. Um, I worked on Akon. Um, Damn, Asher Roth. Ooh, yes. that's a flashback. Yes. Um, and so I got to work on a lot of stuff and deal with, you know, Motown and Sylvia Roan and all the meetings and stuff like that. And Steve is like the easiest boss. Like he's like, just get the work done and I don't really care what you do. You can come in when you want, leave when you want. Like right. as as the work is done. He doesn't care. And if you want to AR and you want to do marketing and you want to do this, he's like, as long as it's done, I don't I Steve is like the easiest person. Okay. As long as it's done. In, in comparison to intense ass uh <laughs> in comparison to brother love. Yeah, but I will say I've I've had three bosses in my lifetime. Steve Rifkin, Steve Stout. And Puff Daddy. It don't get no better than that. No, I certainly don't. Three legends in the music business. <laughs> three Absolutely. legends. So I learned a different lesson from all three of them. Right. So how long did you how long did you stay at SRC? So I stayed at SRC for about three and a half years. Okay. Um, I got to fly around with Steve. That was my first experience of being in a private jet. And I would fly with him everywhere and go. Puff to ain't, Puff ain't put you in a private jet. I did not go on a private jet with Puff. <laughs> it took Steve to come along for me to see. I was staying at the, the presidential hotel and meeting all because Steve does marketing also. So we were meeting like the heads of BlackBerry and AT and T and all of this stuff. And so I got a corporate side also, not just music, dealing with Steve. And right. um, 
you know, I learned a valuable lesson that I'm to this day with Steve is time management, right? So he would let me sit in on all these meetings and he would say, you know, come downstairs at the meeting starts at eight o'clock. He would say the meeting starts at eight o'clock. I would get downstairs at eight o'clock and all these guys, they're all Jewish. They're already downstairs in a conversation. Right. The lesson I learned that is if you're on time, you're late. Okay. You understand what I'm saying? Because you probably missed something valuable already because these guys are coming down at 745 or 740. Right. So me, I'm never late for, I'm just one of the people that just don't do anything late anymore in life. Right. Um, but that was a great experience. And then SRC kind of um, folded at a certain point also. And I just took it upon myself to start my own company, um, Wonder Woman Productions, Wonder Group Media. And I started consulting for record labels, for artists, and for athletes. So it was like uh, music and sports. Right. When did, when did you get married? When did you and Zab get married? Um, that was when I was at Interscope and I, and I had my child that was during that time, right? Okay. When I left, right after I left Interscope, me and Zab got married. Now, how long, how long did, did that last? Cause you were really kind of the, the face of his entire career. Everybody, we knew, we didn't know so much about Zab, but we knew you. <laughs> right. Um, I was with Zab for about seven years. Mm-hmm within you know the interscope part and right when me and zab broke up the next day is when i saw steve rifkin and went back to SRC. oh wow yeah the day after like as soon as we split like literally the next day i went out to eat and i saw steve rifkin at the restaurant i said look at god wow god is good what, what was the cause of that split i feel like i was with someone who you know he didn't he didn't come from a lot and he was young and he started making millions and seeing things. And I, you know, I blame myself because I showed him a lot. You know, I, I think I showed him a lot from the music industry side. Mm -hmm. And I think it was a lot for him and it was overwhelming. And it just went, maybe went to his head or he didn't know how to manage it. And I felt like I matured way faster than he did. And we weren't on the same level anymore. Yeah, well, women do mature faster than men. You know that. Yeah. How how, how have you been able? How have you been able, as a beautiful woman in this business, to maintain your integrity? Because a lot of women get into this business and it's, oh, you fine, come here, be under my arm, let me hit on you, let me see what I could get out of this. How have you maintained? How have you been able to maintain and stay away from that? Well, um, you know, I am a woman and I'm human, and so you know, I do have needs, right? So my um person was always the, the secret person. It was just always on the low, right? Okay. <laughs> um, and then the rest of guys who always came at me because it was uh, so many, like, you know, people I work with, just always, I just have this thing where I just <laughs> laugh it off. <laughs> and it just like goes into one ear and out the other. And I don't make nothing big of it. And I just keep it moving. But it doesn't mean anything to me. It's, it's, it's almost like I'm numb to what guys say to me at this point. Because <laughs> been going on for so long now. Not too long ago, you uh, you did uh, directed an episode of Uncensored. Yes. For TV One, is that a passion of yours? So when I was in high school, my major was uh, film and TV. When I went mm -hmm. to St. John's University, my major was film and TV. Um, so that has been. I've gone to NYU and taken directing and producing all while I was doing like 
working and stuff, I would take these side classes. Okay. Um, so I, that's my passion. Um, that's really what I want to do in life. I just felt like the music industry came in and pushed it to the side. Okay. Came in and pushed it to the side. And I feel like now that I'm older and I've taken care of everything and my child has grown, like I want to get back to my passion. Right. So directing for them, for Uncensored to give me a director and producer credit. Right. Like, that was just out of this world for me. Yeah, that was huge. I was like, go ahead, go, Mita, go, go. Now, you I also EP'd, sorry, but I also EP, I had EP'd already uh, Boxer Wives. Okay. So they, I, you know, they saw my work of what I've done. So, you know. Okay. And then, and then how the hell with all of this going on, all that background, how the hell you end up on Love and Hip Hop? <sighs> how do I end up on Love and Hip Hop? I ask myself that every day. All day. <laughs> <laughs> I still don't know the answer, but I recognize and this is just the the realest way I could say it. I recognize that people flock to people who are in some kind of limelight. They get more cho choices. They get more chances. They have a platform. Right. And for the longest time, I tried to play by my own rules for so many years. I've gotten asked to be part of so many of these shows. And I kept saying, no, I'm going to do it my way. I'm going to do it my way. I'm going to do it my way. And I'm watching these people excel and make millions and millions and millions from these platforms. And one day I just said, you know what? I, I need to conform a little bit, try it out, see how it works for me. Because there's no reason why I've been doing this for so long. And I don't have the platform that I need to catapult right. my career to where it needs to be. And that was my reasoning for doing Love and Hip Hop. Right. How's it, how's it going over there? I saw your, your episode the other night with a little bit of a, you got a riff with young Jock's fiance there, huh? So you know what it's like your entire life being the keeper of everyone's secrets? Uh-huh. I've been around the biggest of the biggest artists in life and I know all, all their secrets and right. every guy I've ever, you know, slept with or had a relationship. Like I've never been the person that was on broad street. You don't know who I've dated. No one's known over the past 30 years. Except so when, when you were married. Zach, except that's when I was it. married. Right. So do you know how hard it is to be on TV arguing with somebody about a person that you dated when you don't even like telling your business, <laughs> but this is what the show requires. Like, First of all, I was supposed to do Love and Hip Hop. I've been signed with Love and Hip Hop for two, three years now. And wow. they've been trying to get me to tell this story for, and I keep saying, uh, what did you want me to do again? You want me to go right. on TV and tell people? And I remember Mona called me one day and she's like, it's TV. Like you either going to do it or you're not going to do it. You got to make a choice. Right. And so pandemic happened and I was like, yes, pandemic was good for something. <laughs> <laughs> So I didn't have to tell my story. And then now they came back to me last season. It was like, okay, we ready. You ready? Right. Like, right let's just get a, go ahead and knock this out. You know, I'm gonna have a bunch of people that like me and I'm gonna have a bunch of haters. But at the end of the day, none of us in life has made it to the top without people loving and hating us. That's right. And the haters are watching. It's they watching. That's it. That's, as long that's as I have something key. to say and I use that platform for what I need to use it for, which was my plan. As long as I stick to the plan, we good to go. Right. Absolutely. Absolutely. And I, I like that. I like that about you. But you're not going to be into all of that water throwing and all of that craziness. <laughs> you, know what's, you know what's crazy is as calm as you try to be, they will find a way to get under your skin. 
They're gonna push them buttons. They are going to push them buttons. I don't, it's been so many times where I just be like, you're classy, you're sophisticated, you're a doctor, just chill, you know, be witty. Cause I can, I got a mouth for me so I can lay back and just be witty and say right. stuff. But they will keep pushing that button until you stand up and be like, all right, you got me all the way fucked up. Right. You're only going to beat so many bitches, right? It's only, exactly. How, how many bitches do it take me to? Oh, how exactly. Exactly. I'm asking you, Dr. Me, when you get into an up? argument with somebody in that cast, how many bitches does it take until you blow up? You know what? It's funny because the bitches ain't it because everybody just calls everybody bitch all day long like right and so that's another thing you numb to at this point i think when it's like when they just won't stop like they just won't stop it's like okay we talked and you just still come in you coming in my face you coming in my face you still talking reckless still talking reckless and then i got to be like wait a second ain't i from brooklyn i ain't never <laughs> <built> <laughs> I ain't never dealt with this this recklessness growing up. I and you you forget who you said you was going up there to be. Right. And you black out and you all of a sudden you back to the block. <laughs> <laughs> next thing you know, you beefing, right? Oh my goodness. And then the next day you like, why did I do that? Like, why? You yeah. just had a birthday, so happy birthday. Thank you. Are you still celebrating? Oh, yes. I celebrate life every day. But when I do birthdays, birthdays are huge to me. So we rock out all Leo season. Yeah. I rocks out. Well, I'm looking forward to it, sister. And I know you got another thing that you have to do. So I appreciate you spending some time with me on Definitely. this podcast. I love you to death. And, you know, I wish you nothing but the best. I did want to say I have a movie that I just did coming out. And I want okay. to uh, give a little shout out to my movie. Um, it's called Nasty. And um, it's coming out in October. Uh, female director by the name of Bria Bree Stevens and um, Dennis Reed Productions. It'll be out on Tubi in October. Okay. So got that coming out. So, you know, trying to do more, more TV and film and get in the backseat of, you know, doing more directing and producing. Absolutely. You got to come, you know, sit with me again once I get my set and we can go through everything about you in detail. Okay. And, uh, you know, once, you know, I'm setting up the set. So that's why we're doing Zoom right now. But once okay. I get the set set up with our mutual person, Dan Small, we're going to okay. get everything done and, and we're going to do it the right way. And then we'll have Spice on also. Yes. We'll talk about what y'all was doing in Jamaica because I saw it. <laughs> <laughs> Got on the you. motorcycles. Y'all better behave yourself. <laughs> okay. No problem. All right, Anytime. Nita. Thank you so much, Doc. I appreciate it. No problem. Anytime. All right. Ciao. All right. Come on, son. This Ed Lover podcast is being done in conjunction with Cigars International. Make sure you check out CigarsInternational.com for all your cigar needs. This episode of Come On, Son, the podcast is produced, engineered, and edited by Cam Quotes and Krista Hayes. Recorded out of Atlanta, Georgia, this is an official Loudspeakers Network podcast brought to you by Ed Lover. Be sure to check out the return of Come On, Son, the web series exclusively on Patreon. Now with the MLB app, you can get baseball your way. Pick your favorite team, your favorite players, and get customized highlights, stories, and breaking news right on your home feed. Follow the action with Game Tip, where 3D replays add another dimension. Plus, notifications can keep you connected to every pitch, every hit, every game. The MLB app. Baseball your way. Download it now for free from the App Store or Google Play. Blackout and other restrictions apply. Major League Baseball trade parts used with permission.